0: Is what we're dealing with right now. You have a lot of people that just have lost any sense of individuality. And it's crazy. I had no intention of tying this into the last episode, but I think it does really well. Your authenticity is so extremely important and you don't have that whenever you're not able to exercise formulating your own thoughts about anything, whether it's political or religious or scientific it's dangerous public education in the united states is broken i've had bad experiences with it and I'm assuming most of you have as well. Now, just because my experience was bad doesn't mean that something is broken. However, I have three things (laughs) that I just kind of pulled off the top of my head that I wanna talk about. I could talk about so many more things that would show how broken the system is, but I'm just gonna choose three random things and at the end of the episode, maybe you can write a list of your own because I'm sure you could come up with a much longer one than I have. Now, why do I say that it's broken? Well, let's start with the first random thing, which is that in the United States, teachers are severely understaffed, underpaid, overworked and most of the time unqualified now your your formal education I'm like kicking the mic over here your formal education is not the only qualifier of being a good teacher in my opinion I think that in order for you to be qualified to be a good teacher you need to actually be good at teaching there's a difference between knowing material and being a good teacher being a good leader so That is something that, yeah, I'm gonna stick with that. There is a difference between knowing material and being a good teacher and a good leader. And I just feel like a lot of teachers are underqualified in that area. But what do you do whenever the pay is so low and the amount of hours that they put in is so high Granted, they have an entire summer off, which is cool, but not really because they're preparing for the next year. So it's hard, I, I can't imagine how difficult it would be to be a teacher in the United States. Now, I'm sure there are some schools that pay better, but overall, from what I've heard and from what I've seen and experienced, it's not the case. So why is that such a big problem? Well, if you have teachers that are stressed out and they're tired of how much time it's taking, so they're probably in a rush. If you have teachers that are spending their own money on supplies, then you're gonna end up with a really bad classroom experience. You're gonna end up with really just a bad experience in school altogether as a child. And that's what I think is at stake here, is the experience that children have in the public education system. In the US the teachers are adults and they can decide to not teach if they really want but kids don't really have a choice they are told to go to school by their parents and that's pretty much what they have to do so and their parents are told by the state and the states told by the federal government you have to go to school so that's you know teachers can Figure out ways to solve this problem for themselves. I don't know how to solve it. But all I know is that going through school, I did not have an enjoyable time. The lessons were very bare bones and honestly boring, hardly ever interactive in any way, shape, or form. Uh, The classroom was severely underfunded. There was, you know, like a, a lack of supplies in most classes that I had. Um, There's also, I mentioned, understaffed. When you have 30 kids in a classroom and one teacher, first of all, how can you expect everybody to behave? And second of all, how can you expect everybody to be safe? Especially when, like, I got bullied in the middle of class so many times. How the teacher is not paying attention to this or seeing this or putting a stop to it, don't know. I swear I some teachers knew what was going on and they didn't do anything. Screw you guys. Uh, but also, aside from those two points, the other thing you gotta ask is if they're understaffed, how can students learn effectively? You have to present a one-size-fits-all solution to learning when you're teaching that many kids at once. That is not the optimal way to learn, especially as a child. That's the struggle with content creation is you have to be specific enough to be engaging, but general enough to be approachable and marketable. So it's hard. It's it's hard to teach 30 kids at once, especially when you take into account all of these different learning styles. So it's frustrating because I learn differently than a lot of other kids do. At least back then, it seemed like a lot of other kids in my class were able to actually retain and utilize information just from like seeing it or reading it. For me, I have to be physically involved with it somehow. Whether it's like, if it's a math problem, actually moving the blocks or whatever it is, um, or the shapes, or it could be Uh, Choir class like or not choir class, but like music class if you're trying to teach me how to play an instrument By like reading about the technique or watching videos That's not nearly as helpful as actually getting your hands on it. That's me. I know everybody's not like me, but I Don't feel that school was catered to my learning style. I don't think that the school even cared about my learning style to be honest I don't think most of my teachers cared about my learning style. And how could they when in a single day they teach 100 children? They don't get paid enough for that, <laughs> to care that much. And the thing is, most of them do care that much. Uh, I wouldn't say most. It seemed like a few of my teachers cared enough to tr- to want to you know know my learning style, but they just couldn't. It's unrealistic so the understaffing is a huge issue obviously being overworked you're just gonna be irritable you're gonna hate your life it's really just gonna suck so that's number one is and again this is in no particular order but just one random reason why the education system in the United States is broken my second reason is 20-minute lunches. Now, every school is slightly different, but I know in my school, and I went to a small school, we had 15 to 20-minute lunches where you would have A, B, and C out of your grade. You would have, like, the A group, B group, and C group, and they would... A group would go to lunch first and B and then C, and it was just kind of a weird rotation thingy. So that was not cool. 20 minute lunches, really? So what's the problem with a 20 minute lunch? Well, there's multiple problems. The first problem is that lunch is, especially in high school, it's one of your only opportunities to socialize. You don't have recess anymore. Honestly, I kind of wish you had some sort of recess, but like cool version for high schoolers, because I really needed that. So it's your only time to socialize, and you get 20 minutes. Thanks, appreciate it. What's the other problem? You've been focusing already for like four hours, which is longer than the normal focus block period that your brain can handle. And that's as an adult. As a kid, it's even harder. So typically we go through 90 minutes of Ability to stay focused and really get some deep work in Until you need to recharge your brain for 10 20 minutes. So we go through those cycles of like 90 minutes and 10 20 minutes but you basically go for four hours straight in the morning sometimes five hours straight before lunch and then you have 20 minutes to socialize and eat which really most of the time is spent doing either or. Sometimes you skip lunch because you just want to hang out with friends. Sometimes you can't really do anything with anybody because you're waiting in, t- in line for 10 minutes to get food and then you sit down and eat and then it's over. And I guess if you brought your lunch, it's a little better, but most of the time I had school lunch. So those are a couple issues with 20 minute lunches, but here's another one. What happens when you eat fast? When you eat fast, your brain does not have enough time to register that you've had enough food. Your stomach doesn't have enough time to communicate to your brain, hey, I'm full, I've had plenty of food. So you're already stressed out and mentally overworked at this point in the day. Then you have 20 minutes to eat, which ideally is, or realistically is 10 minutes because you're waiting in line. So then you eat your food really quick because you don't want to eat the whole time. You want to talk to people and have fun. So you eat quick. So what happens? You overeat during lunch. Maybe you don't eat too much, but at least your brain doesn't think you're full. Your brain is like, uh, I still need food. So then you spend the last four, three to four hours of your school day absolutely starving really difficult to focus and then you get home and what do you do if you're starving it's not dinner time yet it's like three four o'clock that you're getting home so what do you do you eat snacks and you have a lot of them and you have a lot of excess calories yay the most exciting topic but here's the thing if you have an entire country worth of children that are scarfing down food as fast as they can because they don't have enough time during lunch to really sit and enjoy their food and socialize the way they should be able to. You have an entire country of children doing this. They are stressed out the last three hours of the day. They're not getting productive learning time in, and then they get home and they overeat. You're creating a bunch of stressed out fat children, basically. Now, obviously this is a slight exaggeration, this is a slight exaggeration, but I honestly don't know how too far fetched it is, because that's the, that's a pattern that I see, and those are those are outcomes that I can very very clearly see happening. I'm struggling to talk today, probably because I had a 20-minute lunch. <laughs> so that's a big issue. It really is forcing a child's lunch into a 20-minute period is causing a lot of unintended or intended consequences and it's just not cool we need to do something about it we need longer lunches so petition like this video or rate my podcast five out of five stars if you want to sign the petition for hour-long lunches for kids at school cool so i have one last point and i think that this is probably the most eerie of the three the other two are just like all right something's clearly like not working here something like there's definitely some priorities that are misplaced and i th- i don't think that they're I don't know, the first two points, I don't think that they are insidious, but this third one, not so sure. My biggest issue out of these three is works cited. Works cited. What's my problem with works cited? You're trying to tell me that if I wanna write something It has to come from a trusted, credible source. Really? If I wanna write anything and for it to count at all, I have to show you where I got the information from. I'm not allowed to have my own original thoughts about anything because it's invalid you're saying that my beliefs need to align with the sources that you deem to be appropriate now don't get me wrong I understand that it's important to know where you're getting your facts from totally fair I'm not saying that works cited as a whole is bad but I do find it very interesting that if you're writing an essay And you formulate your own opinion about something just because that's what humans do. You are not allowed to do that. You have to cite your sources. That's crazy. So I'm not a fan. I really think that that contributes to some interesting side effects when you look at later in life, right? As these kids get in high school, they get social media and then they become adults and they still have social media. It's weird because you grow up thinking that, first of all, it kind of dulls your ability to even formulate your own opinion. That's That's the first problem is that When you're dealing with this work cited stuff, and anytime you want to write something or share a thought, it has to be backed up by some credible source. Credible. You're being taught that you can't have your own opinion about something. That is terrifying. Now again, it's good for your opinions to at least be influenced by Factual evidence of some sort. Otherwise, you're just being ignorant, but I Mean we all know that the formal education system in the United States Is very selective on what they show you and what they tell you Take American history, for example We are fed a version of history that paints us as the good guys Now, I'm not saying that America has always been this evil, horrible country in every situation, but what I am saying is that I was led to believe that the United States is the best country in the world, and I've never even left this country, and I can tell from other people that I know that experienced other countries and that some of them even live in other countries that the United States is not the best country in the world and I'm pissed (laughs) that I was taught that and that I stood by that so strongly without ever questioning it for so long why was I not able to form my own opinion about the United States why did it take me so long to come to my own conclusions about it and also why was I even fed this idea in the first place now patriotism is great I think it's great to love your country and support your country and fight for your country. Kind of. I don't think that you should be killing innocent people in the name of your country. I think that you should just do what's right and you should fight for causes that are good causes. And I don't think war is a good cause, but all that said, I believe that you should do these things for your country. However. I don't think that you should be fed a lie about your country. That's coercion. That's information control. That's conditioning. And if you've heard any other episode on this podcast, you know that I'm not a fan of conditioning, especially when it's negative or track and field conditioning, because that sucks. But (laughs) I'm not a fan of ill-intended conditioning. I'll say that so this uh we're thing it's really interesting you have all these people now that grew up being taught being taught being taught that they their opinion doesn't mean anything or even just led to believe that they can't formulate their own opinion it, like it's not even a thing they're taught And then they get on social media and the only personality they have is the personality of the identity groups that they have attached themselves to. So that's sad. I was just talking today with somebody, I was on a video call and we were talking about how you really gotta be careful with labels because we use labels quite often to, as a way to explain something or categorize something in a way that is just easy to understand. But the problem with labels is that they typically are very defined as to what fits into them. And so if you have this one component to your personality or to your belief system, then that means you are this thing and you have to adopt all of these other beliefs so i'll give a random example if you have somebody who is all for the second amendment and they are totally cool with like everybody having guns legally but so if you have that person boom that's a republican or that's a conservative or you know, whatever other label you could throw at it. But what if this person also has no issue with gay marriage or just anything to do with the LGBT community? (laughs) Well, are they still Republican? Because they like guns, but they also like gay people. So people end up just throwing away certain beliefs that they could hold that would really make them more of an individual so that they can better fit in with the herd so that they can have their tribe. Humans are tribal creatures. So if you're not able to formulate your own opinion about things, it leads to you identifying with different groups that erode your individuality and this is dangerous because when you have instead of a collective of individual people that have their own thoughts and opinions and ways of life and instead you have a society that is made up of these imaginary identity groups with very clear labels as to and boundaries and parameters It's, dangerous. it's what you have now. That's what we're dealing with right now. You have a lot of people that just have lost any sense of individuality. It's dangerous. And it's crazy. I had no intention of tying this into the last episode, but I think it does really well. Your authenticity is so extremely important and you don't have that whenever you're not able to exercise formulating your own thoughts about anything, whether it's political or religious or scientific, it's dangerous. And we're dealing with that every single day. And to me, that's a very clear, obvious side effect of or excited because it's stuff that you're taught as a kid when you're a child your mind is a sponge and you just soak everything up and so it's no wonder that you have so many people that are like this because it was it started so young we were just kids i don't know what to do to fix this at least at the lower level of, you know, getting into schools and actually changing things. The good news is that kids do have more access to information now. That can be a bad thing, but I think it's also a good thing. Because there are people, I think the people that are online creating content for others... They are either a carbon copy of someone else that they're watching or copying off of or they are an extremely authentic individual person i don't really see too many in-between creators on the internet you're either very much in tune with who you are and you're an individual with your own unique combination of beliefs and habits and lifestyle and anything else or you are an empty shell of a personality and you are just completely copying somebody else and so if you're a kid in school and you're seeing these two polar opposites which hopefully you're seeing both you're able to you at least have the opportunity to see what's happening and kind of catch on and start to ask some questions. This is what I did, because I always hated school, really. But it wasn't until, yeah, probably junior year of high school where I was getting exposed to some real individual people that were creating stuff on the internet. And this was around the time where I was also very heavily questioning things religiously. So I was given an extra opportunity to ask these questions, really just question the way that things were done in general. And I'm really grateful for that. So I think there's hope for kids that are in school now and kids that will be in school because they'll have opportunities to see mindless, toxic internet sludge and really high value, educational, enlightening content on the internet. And I think that by nature, we'll probably like default to the sludge at first, but eventually you get sick of yourself and you get sick of the way you're living your life. And there's something in you that really wants something better. For yourself. So, what choice do you have but to at least look into the alternative? And that's where the self improvement begins. That's where the self ascension comes in, where you are able to transcend your small bubble of consciousness and really expand and learn new things, try new things, step into a new reality. There's a couple reasons why I'm really hopeful for this next generation of humans. So this whole information age content thing is one reason because I think they'll have the opportunity to see opposing viewpoints to the school system. Furthermore, I think that there's hope because education is changing. People are starting to realize that you can learn anything on the internet. And humans are self-governing. We will naturally pursue our passions and our interests. So what's better? A one-size-fits-all solution to learning where you learn the same thing as everybody else and you basically have a foundation of knowledge, which I think is important. And then you continue through that system until you are fed cherry-picked knowledge or information and you in the midst of the time of your life where you should be experiencing things firsthand you're just learning about experiencing them (laughs) and then you have to choose your thing and you might choose wrong is that better or is it better for as a kid you to have parents that encourage you to really dive into your passions and your interests. Therefore, helping you find your purpose sooner so that you can, as you experiment and you progress in a practical way, you're able to learn more about who you truly are and what you're here to do. And you're very, very good at a couple things. Which one's going to contribute better to society? Which one is going to result in a utopia of sorts? It's a good question. As with most things, I think that there's a middle ground. But I do think that the, the way that formal education is gone about In the united states needs to change and i just gave three examples today i'm sure that you have your own the other thing that i wanted to point out with being hopeful for the next generation is i think that gen z parents again there's always outliers but i think that as a whole younger millennials and gen z They're trying to be intentional about how they parent. They're trying to be intentional about parenting in general. There have been so many generational cycles of unchecked abuse. And we're realizing it. We're realizing even simple things like spanking is not a good solution. Why? Perfect example. If I hit my sibling and then my parent says don't hit your sibling and spanks me they hit me for hitting somebody and hitting somebody is bad but mommy can hit doesn't make any sense perfect example I turned out fine and I got spanked no you didn't turn out fine because you're a spiteful hateful miserable person you didn't turn just because you're not a criminal does not mean that you turned out fine so all of that said I think that Gen Z younger millennials are realizing these generational cycles cycles like getting married and having kids way too soon way too fast out of religious and social pressure not cool not a good way to turn out well (laughs) with your whole family really good parents are prepared parents most of the time I don't think that you are doomed to be a horrible parent if you aren't expecting a child and you have one. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that if you do what you can to prepare for parenting ahead of time, then you're going to have a better result. You have more time to work through different scenarios and different beliefs that you hold and different ways that you'll teach certain aspects of growing up as A vulnerable, very, very mortal, fragile human being. So I do have hope because I think that people are being more intentional. Some of us, most of us. And I really think that that will yield good results. A lot of us are separating from organized religion, organized education, organized society as we know it and really looking for a new solution, looking for a new way of life. So I am hopeful, but these aspects of the public education system in the United States really concern me. And I think that we need to do something about it. If you're a teacher, comment on this video, let me know what you do that's special for the kids that you teach. And let me know what you do to show that you care. That way those of us can see that there's still good teachers out there. If you're a parent, let me know what you're doing to prepare and to actively be a better parent, if you already are a parent. So if you want kids someday, or if you're already a parent, what are you doing or what have you done to be a better parent? And lastly, if you're like me and you are fed up with the way that things are running in our society, especially with the education system, then drop a like on this video or go ahead and give the podcast a five-star rating. I appreciate it very much. Join me in the Age of Ascension on Instagram at the Nolan Void. You can find me there. Thank you for watching and I'll see you next time.